Good evening. Good evening. This is Letitia. I'm uh, I'm coming to you from onthewakeupradio.com. This is another production by Cindy Ashby. We want to thank her for this platform, and we'd love to thank her for putting this and manifesting this uh, group of wonderful empresses together tonight. Um, we ask that you check us out at onthewakeupradio.com or otwtube.com. Um, and then also call in to 844-818-4433. Uh, again, my name, this show is called Divine Femininity, and I'm one of your hosts, Letitia, and I'll let the ladies, uh, the other empresses, introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Maxine um, from Ministry and Wellness, and I am a licensed health plan advisor. And I also have an, a company called Ministry and Wellness LLC, where I specialize in alternative solutions and also detoxing, natural herbal detoxing. It's nice to see you again. Thank you, Empress Maxine, for that. Empress Crystal, you want to introduce yourself briefly? Hi, I'm Crystal I'm from Los Angeles, California. I run a photography, well, a production company. I also do a lot of writing. Yeah, that's me. And are you in California? Is that correct? That's yes, I am. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us tonight. And then Empress Michelle, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hello, peace goddesses. Peace. I hope everyone is well. Um, my name is Michelle Dixon Trader. Um, <clears throat> I work for the post office right now. <laughs> And I also have a small jewelry business. Um, I sell paparazzi jewelry also. So um, I'm happy to be a part of um, the show tonight. I'm looking forward to the topic, divine femininity. Very hot topic. But um, I want to thank Cindy Ashby for asking me to come on board to be a part of this. And um, I am in Smyrna, Delaware right now. And um, that's where I reside. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you for being here. I'm glad you're able to bless us with your presence, sister. Absolutely, sis. Thank you. So um, this is our second podcast, and I'm, 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 I was a little nervous, I admit, from the first one. So, um, but, you know, with nervousness, we co comes to self-realization -real and determining that that's something that you know, you have to work on. And so one of the topics that we're going to touch on is impossible is nothing. And, but of course, some things are just impossible. Um, I think that also will tie us into manifestation and prayer. So I just wanted to start us off. What we plan to do is just go around and allow everyone to have their time to, to, to um, add to the conversation and, um, you know, we're going to make sure we provide a healing platform to the other sisters and brothers that may be listening in, to, in, in on us. Again, call 844-818-4433 um, if you'd like to join this conversation. Welcome, uh, Angie. Hi, sister. Welcome back. Um, so we're going to go to the first uh, clip. Um, which is for manifestation and prayer. And in the meantime, does anyone want to just touch on on how they they deal with the impossible or, or what seems to be impossible? 
It looks like she's gonna roll the clip. So okay, we'll all right, cool. We'll and listen to listen in, and then we'll all all get our turn to chime in on the conversation. And you say through God all things are possible. That's when things get vague, get broad. Correct. You understand what I'm saying? Unapproachable. And this, although these are cliches that we use to get by in everyday life, these cliches diminish things because they diminish the human ability. To tap into the universe, the omniverse, or whatever you call God, you are actually cut off from it. Just by giving all the power over to a deity outside of yourself. When the only bridge to the deity is through yourself. And if the deity is the one that has all the power, the omnipotent God, well, why the hell he fucking around with you? And blaming you for stuff down here that's going to chastise you from stuff when he got all the power in the first place. Let's bow our hearts for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For the... Oh, God, because joy has come. Awesome. Okay, so... Was everybody able to take that in from Bobby Hemet? Yeah. So we we know. I think I believe from from my experience, uh, a lot of it uh, is a spiritual guidance that allows me to move the way I move. But um, of course, I'd like to hear from the rest of you, ladies. Um, Empress Crystal, would you like to ch uh, chime in or speak add on to this conversation? Oh, okay. I'll talk about. Um how I deal with uh, manifestation usually. Um, you know, one day I just realized that I'm a manifester. <laughs> you know, because if you really, really want something, um, I've just always found that pray for it, yes, but also I, you got to put your own action behind it as well. But, um, if you really tap into yourself and you really just hone in on and have that good intention, I think the intent also has something to do with manifesting if it, if it's, you know, good intention or whatever. But, um, yeah, just really telling myself that it's going to happen. I think that's, that's what I, what I would do. I would, I would see the end of it. You know what I mean? Like manifest it. And I know what the outcome is going to be and just really hone in on that, that desire and that intention. What methods do you use to um, create manifestation, Empress Michelle? Well, before I really got into my spirituality, um, I would pray. Um, prayer, you know, just like really intent prayer. and But now... I've been manifesting a lot lately. <laughs> and um, what I do is, I mean, I have an altar in my house. Um, I use my altar. I, I'm a light worker, you know. I tap into the ancestors and I ask them for the guidance. And um, if it's for me, then it will be, you know, and just having that, that it, it, it is already done type of mentality. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you on that 100 um, percent. 
was there anyone else who'd like to to uh, get in on this conversation about manifesting and and prayer and how it's worked for you? Yes, absolutely. And actually, I want to share a prayer that you with you all that I say every morning for the, probably about the past 20 years. And it, I, I'm an early riser. I get up like four or five in the morning because it's very quiet during that time. It's a good time to be in, in my headspace. And I say, thank you, Father God, for waking me up this morning. I'm always grateful to be waking up each and every day because every day that I get to wake up, I get to be the better version of myself. I have the opportunity to be a blessing to someone else. And I say that I don't care how badly I'm feeling because there are some days, oh my gosh, I don't want to say that prayer, but I have to say it. I have to say it in the bad times, just as I have to say it in the good times. And it has built up my strength over the years, so many years doing that. So much so that now when I talk to people, I'm talking from way down deep from inside because you have to build a platform to, to manifest greatness, to tap into your to yourself. Does that make sense? Yes, keep on, like, I mean, like, like weight lifting. You start off, I think Maya Angelou talked about this. You start off with two pounds and then you go to five pounds and then you go to 10 pounds. And so that way, when things are bad, they're not so bad because I used to be in a place in my life where I would be so stressed out. I didn't know about prayer. Everything looked black to me. I'm like literally black when I was stressed out. <laughs> I would put my body on a three day hold from the stress. So when I came up, when I would come off of the stress after three days, my whole body would be aching. But then when I was 25, I learned about prayer. And so from there, I've been going and going and this has been an up and downhill battle. I'm telling you, but I, I would say, get up in the morning for those that are looking to even start. Cause some people don't even know where to start. I would say, just get up and have a conversation with yourself. You have to really take an inside outlook in order to manifest greatness. Yes, that was so powerful. Thank you, Sister Maxine. I, I really appreciate that feedback because uh, also often we just assume that people know what to do in uh, whatever spiritual journey they choose, but um, also often they really need some guidance as to where to start or, or you know, even what to look for in their own personal life as to what to be thankful for. Cause some people don't even know to be thankful for, you know, the sun that comes out every morning, you know, or I, I'm learning to be more appreciative for my water or for the food, you know, talking to my plants and food and things like that. So manifesting life within ourselves and, and others. So that's so, so very important. Was there anyone else that'd like to, to, uh, add to the conversation? I think being patient is very important too. Um, a lot of people want to manifest it to come right away and they got to understand like, you just have to have patience, it will come. Right, you're absolutely right, we have to. Uh, Empress Angie, did you want to chime in at all? Or are you good on this uh, piece? I'm saying I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Okay, that's peace, Empress. Um, so with that said, we're going to actually uh, talk about some some things you might use to manifest 
prayer? Are there any particular, uh, I heard altar, I heard, you know, waking up at four in the morning. Are there any particular um, uh, materials or items you use when you pray? Um, I do a couple of things, reading, reading certain scriptures out of the Bible, voice journal. I always keep a voice journal and I have a book. I have a black book that I keep pertinent Bible verses that I know will carry me through life. But I find that writing it down and I, I keep three different types of journals, a voice journal, a, a journal on my computer and the scripture journal. So that way I can always go and look to it because you can't memorize everything. So sometimes I'll, I'll read, a, I'll have a verse and I can't remember and re recall it. And I'll go back to that verse to make a point if I'm in a certain thought. So that, that's the method that I use. Awesome. Yeah, I, found, I have found that journaling was helpful for me, too. Um, and it actually helps me to go back to whatever it is that my goals were and be thankful for those things because sometimes we forget where we were at one one place and so i'll actually go back and look at the that journaling of where i was in that particular uh headspace that way i can look at it and say oh wow look how far i've actually come and having a, a greater appreciation for it um with that said we're about to move on to uh the next topic which is ocean in the ocean and uh, just want to make sure we give another shout out to Empress Cindy Ashby for putting this uh, platform and manifesting the show for Divine Femininity. And um, join us on onthewakeupradio.com or call 844-818-4433 to join our conversation. One of the most amazing things that I have ever seen in the bottom of the ocean, it was while filming for Blue Planets in the Gulf of Mexico. And inside the ring of muscles was a lake. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm already underwater. And we went out over the water in this lake and tried to descend it and bounced off. It was so super saline and dense that the submarine couldn't go down it. We literally bounced off. And as we bounced off, we sent ripples heading back to the shoreline. Coincidentally, a few days after he, this um, aired on the television that he had made this discovery, when him and his friend were flying the helicopter, it exploded and he died. And it's gone. Wow, that's so amazing. Um, so I actually got a chance to do a little research on this before the show. And found, of course, even before uh, today, I've heard of Atlantis. We've heard of the cities under the water. And so this has always kind of um, intrigued me uh, as far as, as what we don't know. I know there's so much we don't know, right? But there are certain things that intrigue us. And and this, to me, is is like phenomenal because we've only only touch the surface when it comes to what we know is uh, in the ocean right so i think it's like less than 10 percent we know like less than 10 percent of what's actually in the ocean um don't quote me on that but anyway so this guy goes down and he sees he's filming i think for a show is what they said and he sees this underground lake and then he ends up 
himself, he's he him and his friend end up dead. So it's just interesting to me how that kind of played out. Of course, who knows what happened or why that happened to to this guy. But um, yeah, I I I think that it's very. I'm very curious as to know what all was under there. And then he said he bounced off of it. So um, yeah, like like a Jello type. Uh, object or or a trampoline down there or something and then i saw another video where they showed this particular lake and it's like it actually has a there's a river under underwater that streams like flows like a a river uh above ground so anybody have any ideas or or know about any of the underground treasures that that we have yet to to actually um, even even uh, come upon yet. I mean, I'm trying to get the visual of a of a. He said you found a river under the water. Right. It actually separated. like a gap. There was like a gap, right? Well, like he went all the way down, and there was like a um, a cave like. No, I think it's actually all water. It just separates. It creates the separation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard of that, but that is very interesting. Uh, I saw that video and I really couldn't understand how. So the separation was just, oh, it's just a natural separation in it. Okay, okay, I see it now. I saw a little clip of the video, yeah. Yeah, there's a separation right there. So he can breathe above water. He can breathe in that space. And then watch what happens with this water it's it's absolutely incredible. Wow. It's crazy. It's very beautiful though. It is beautiful. But sadly he died. That's sad. I didn't know that he died. Him and his friends died afterwards, huh? Wow. They probably found something that they weren't supposed to find. I'm interested to know what makes them go in a space like that. Like what makes them, you know, probably looking for, like you said, looking for something else and then found something else. Right. I'm not sure if he was actually he was actually in there filming, I believe, for a show or for some type of documentary. And he stumbled upon this. And I don't think they expected to find that. Mm -hmm. Surprised to find that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like it was very deep either. No, not at all. But I'm always fascinated anything with nature. You're always discovering things. Have you guys heard about those cities that those black towns that were that were underwater? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. The lakes. There's one the lake. lake. Right, yes. Over the past couple years, more Americans have become familiar with the story of the Tulsa Race Massacre, where a white mob burned a vibrant black community to the ground, which is crazy. Even crazier? Dozens of other black towns have been erased off the American map, not by burning them down, but by hiding them underwater. Don't know what I mean? 
Well, let's find out in a segment called, How Did We Get Here? This is Lake Lanier. It's a lake in Forsyth County, Georgia, where people go swimming and boating and fishing and do a bunch of other lakey things. But before it was Lake Lanier, it was a town called Oscarville, Georgia. Now, Oscarville was a thriving, predominantly black community with a church, a school, and dozens of homes until the year 1912 when a very bad thing happened. Oh, two very bad things. In 1912, two black teenagers were accused of rape. They were tried, convicted, and sentenced to death in a single day. And after they were executed, a mob of white men terrorized, drove out, or killed all the black people in the surrounding area. And they did that until the entire black community of Oscarville disappeared. The county went from having over 1,000 black residents in 1912 to zero in 1920. That story is so sad, it makes this story look like a comedy. After the black community had been run off, the white people of Forsyth County said, you know what we could use? A big old lake. So they made one, right where the town of Oscarville had just been. They flooded the area and literally covered up the entire town with water. This is what it looks like right now. But the town is still under there. The homes and churches and schools, they're still down there. And now people go boating on top of them. Compared to that, this is truly a rom-com. Now, you might be thinking, what a weird isolated incident. But just like the rat who ate the pizza in the subway, this story is both crazy and common. Ever heard of Collegia, Alabama? It was once a thriving black community with a black college, the first black railroad, and literally hundreds of family homes. Today, it's Lake Martin. At least they had the decency to name it after a black person. And if you think this kind of thing only happened in the South, let me introduce you to a place called Central Park. It's named after that coffee shop on Friends. Central Park used to have a black community in it called York Hill. But the city of New York destroyed York Hill so that they could build the Central Park Reservoir. Because if there's one thing New York needs, it's another place for ducks to hang out. But if you come here, don't try and feed those ducks. They are very aggressive. Mess around and lose a finger. Now, when the residents of York Hill were kicked out of their homes, they fled to another black community nearby called Seneca Village. And then a few years later, New York destroyed Seneca Village too so that they could build Central Park on top of it. The craziest part of this story is that I work a few blocks away from a place where the government disappeared two black communities. And until recently, I didn't know about any of it. You know why? Because it worked. They tried to erase black communities and they came way too close. But now there are people doing the research. So we are finally learning about places like Henry and McKee Islands, which is now located under Lake Guntersville in Alabama and Vanport, Oregon, which is now located under Delta Park. And all of these towns, which are currently literally underwater. Hey, wait, hold on. What was that last one? Old Neversink. That's a real place. Well, if we've learned one thing today, it's never assume something is unsinkable. There are over 100 drowned American towns and many were destroyed in the name of something called development-induced displacement. That's when people have to leave their homes so the government can develop things like 
dams or parks or lakes. This happens to both white and black people, but historically when it happens, black people and other people of color are undercompensated for their property or not compensated at all. The theory is that the short-term bad effects are worth the long-term benefits for the community. But it's not fair if the long-term gain is mostly for white people. Now, luckily, there's a solution. It's a very complicated system. It involves a series of, ah, who am I kidding? Cut some dang checks. That's it. If you're going to kick black people out of their homes, make sure they have the money to stay on their feet. Cut a dang check. And yes, you can pay their descendants too because generational wealth is one of the many things that is destroyed when you put black communities underwater. So cut a dang check. These drowned towns are part of the black American history they don't want to teach you. It's ugly and it's gross and we don't even know all of it. And the more we find out, the harder it is to love this place that would do those things to so many people. And if you're feeling this way, which I often do, you can try loving what this country could become instead. Our history may be full of pain, but our future has limitless possibilities. So look to the future while simultaneously being suspicious of every lake you see. And people go missing all the time from there. Yeah, it's not a shock. We live, you know, it's like there's a whole underworld. I, I, I wouldn't even have, have thought about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard about So supposedly the there's a whole inner world then, right? Like inside the core of the earth. Right. Exactly. I don't know too much to speak on it, but you know. I know. Me yeah. either. It's just mesmerizing to me. Like, just even the city of Atlanta. The Bible's book of Genesis. In chapter 6, verse 9, begins the story of Noah and the flood, in which God sends a great deluge to rid the earth of sinners and start anew. Different versions of this same story exist in nearly every ancient tradition around the world. Going back 5,000 years, we have sacred texts that tell us there was an antediluvian civilization. There was a great flood and that there were survivors. Mesopotamians speak of this in the Epic of Gilgamesh. The Egyptians speak of this in the Edfu creation text. Plato learned from the Egyptians that there was once a civilization called Atlantis that existed 9,000 years before his time. Plato wrote about the lost continent of Atlantis in two of his dialogues, Timaeus and Critias, around 360 BC. Historians and researchers have long debated whether this pre-flood civilization was purely mythological or actually existed. Arguments have been made suggesting remnants of Plato's destroyed civilization could be found at the South Pole. I think what happened in Antarctica was that approximately 13,000 years ago, that flourishing civilization that originally came from space and establishing its presence in Antarctica was flash frozen. We actually have ancient evidence of this in the form of Plato's dialogues, where he talks about the last days of Atlantis. 
that basically is informing us that Atlantis was an extraterrestrial colony that had established itself on Earth and that after a pole shift, Atlantis was moved under the ice where the South Pole currently is. As more and more pieces of the puzzle start to come together, might we soon be able to solve the mystery of the Antarctic continent? And if so, just what might we discover? Modern whistleblowers still argue that there is more about Antarctica that is being covered up than we think. There are entire bases down there, entire civilizations, that the world's governments are working with aliens. They know about the buried artifacts, they know about the ancient civilizations down there, and they know about the extraterrestrial civilizations that continue to operate in Antarctica at the very moment. It's totally possible that Antarctica contains an extraterrestrial home base on Earth. It's a totally isolated part of the planet. It's completely uninhabited, or, or was until recently. It's ideal. I mean, and how beautiful they say it looked, and the pyramids that are underwater, like, and how they might be contributing to some of the missing, you know, they might create a, a portals are causing these, you know, uh, people who go missing a whole plane or a whole ship goes missing. So it makes you wonder, like, mm -hmm. if, the, if there's actual truth to, to any of that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Whole ships go missing all the way underwater. Yeah. Hey, Angie. Uh, My what theory on it is... <laughs> oh. oh, hold on. I have, I have a small theory on it. I'm sorry. I can wait. <laughs> uh, let me let me get Empress Angie. She had her hand up on the chat. My bad. Um, no, I mean I've seen those type of things before, like on um, what do you call it, like National Geographic. Um, it is pretty interesting because I feel like maybe those things are like air pockets, and sometimes either movies or in real life when they tell people that if they need some type of air, especially when they're un underwater, they have those um, I guess it's like the bubbles that are floating in the water. I guess that also has air that they can actually you know take that from the things that I've seen but who knows maybe because of the whole thing about how the world is made and maybe because like I can't explain it but maybe because let's say we're on top and the bottom who knows maybe that's why the ocean might be like that too and it's pretty deep a lot of things that we might not ever know and who knows maybe for the fact that when people do find it they just want to keep it that way I feel like sometimes where the government whoever's involved is very selfish and they just don't want us to enjoy the beauty of things. And I guess they just don't want us to put it out there and let people know, you know what I mean? What's actually out there? Like, who knows what we can actually find deep down, you know? Thanks. Um, Empress Michelle? Now, I was going to say, I have my theory on it. Have you guys seen the Wonder Woman movie? And remember, they, yeah, yes. it was like basically a, yeah, it was basically a whole nother, world there that they couldn't see because it was this um what is it like what is it called a cloaked or something like that cloaked or um like an invisible shield around it almost i believe that that is something that is possible especially for whole planes and ships and stuff to be missing and nobody ever knows what happened to it i, I think it's they're probably just gearing all right into that domain where you know everything is just it's it's not visible to the human eye you know that's my theory <laughs> you know they put a lot of 
stuff in movies that that it's true. <laughs> you know, they they put bits and pieces of stuff out there for us to to learn about and wonder about. But yeah, I believe it's possible. I agree. I agree. The movies will tell you a lot about what people really believe and what people have actually seen. Um, I hate to say it. <laughs> the seven wonders of the natural world may have been named too quickly. Wonders like the Grand Canyon and Victoria Falls are certainly big, and anyone who sees them will surely be impressed. But sheer size isn't enough to truly leave a person in awe. There are other places in this world, though, that are far stranger, places that seem almost alien, as if they could only exist on a planet that evolved separately from our own. These are places that scientists have had to struggle just to understand how they ever could have been formed. Places that will truly make you wonder, not just because they're beautiful, but because they seem to follow scientific laws that don't exist anywhere else on Earth. Number 10. Devil's Kettle as far as natural mysteries go, the Devil's Kettle in Minnesota is one of the most intriguing ones. At a particular point along the Brule River, the river's water splits into two. One split continues its course onto the Lake Superior, and the other split, well, we have no clue where it goes. Scientists know it has to end up somewhere, but we don't know where that is. Scientists first tried putting dye into the kettle and waited to see which part of the lake turns up colors. It was a futile effort. Nothing turned up. Next, they decided to try it with ping pong balls. They also vanished without a trace. What the hell is going on? We all know that laws of science dictate that the water has to turn up somewhere. Even if it is being stored underground, there should be markings and it should be traceable. Aliens parallel universe? Glitch in our programming? Some Mayan trick? Your guess is as good as mine. Number 9. Hesdalen Lights Residents of Hesdalen Valley, Norway are continually living in a realm of great scientific mystery. Almost every night, lights appear in the sky. They are of bright colors. They dance around, shift shapes, flash unmistakably, and disappear, only to appear the next day during the night. This has been going on for four decades at least. Scientists are perplexed by this mystery. There are theories though, but none seems to be good enough. Since at least the early 1930s, people have spotted the lights and hypothesized what could be causing them. One theory suggests that the lake is radioactive. The radon rides dust particles, and upon elevations it decays and produces lights. Another theory suggests that the base of the valley is full of sulfuric acid. Sulfur reacts to the water and produces what scientists call sparks. Hundreds of tests have been performed to pinpoint the exact cause, but to no avail. Number 8. Mobile Cave In southeastern Romania, there is a cave that was locked away from the slightest ray of light for 5.5 million years. And that has a completely different atmosphere from the Earth. The cave was discovered by workers looking to set up a power plant. They tested the ground to see if it was a safe place to build and cracked open a pathway that leads into one of the strangest places on Earth. If you descend through the narrow shaft and past a series of tunnels, you enter a chamber with a lake of sulfuric water stinking of rotten eggs. The air there is toxic, filled with hydrogen sulfide and contaminated with 100 times the surface's level of carbon dioxide. 
The strangest part, though, is that a whole ecosystem has survived inside it. Researchers have found 33 species inside the cave that don't exist anywhere outside of it. They've adapted to survive in a sulfuric atmosphere, living by feeding off a foam on top of the stones. Number 7. Lake Karashay the Soviet Union had many nuclear facilities, and most of them were ill-planned and unsafe. Inside one such factory, there is a lake. The lake's water has more radioactive material than anywhere else on Earth. Lake Karashay is so radioactive that you will die within an hour if you stand near it. Soviets dumped nuclear waste into the lake. Their nuclear practices have caused a few problems with the lake in the past. In 1957, an explosion blew the factory apart, and the radioactive particles spread more than 23,000 kilometers. The area is more radioactive than Chernobyl. The lake has been covered with concrete to keep these disasters from happening. Still, the entire place is eerily unstable and massively radioactive. Number 6. The Double Tree of Casorzo In the countryside of Piemonte, Italy, there is an unusual sight. There is a cherry tree there that looks, in most respects, just like any other healthy cherry tree, except that it happens to be growing directly on top of a mulberry tree. This isn't completely unprecedented. Parasitic trees have grown out of others before, but normally they are small, stunted things that live short lives before falling off. The double tree of Casorzo, though, consists of two fully formed, healthy trees, each spreading its branches five meters across. Nobody quite knows how it happened. The locals believe that a bird may have dropped a cherry seed on top of the mulberry tree. The seed grew roots that pushed through the mulberry tree's hollow trunk and reached all the way to the soil below, letting it survive and grow into a full, healthy tree. Number 5. The Sleeping City of Kalachi The city of Kalachi, Kazakhstan is not Disney's creation. It is as real as it gets. Citizens of Kalachi face a very peculiar epidemic. People just collapse into naps randomly, even while walking on the road. They also report memory loss, fatigue, and hallucinations. The epidemic affects people from all genders and ages. Kazakhstan has even recommended evacuations, but they are no closer to solving the problem. One theory suggests that the residents are facing some kind of radiation poisoning, since the area is near a uranium mine. However, there are flaws in that theory. All the blood tests and other monitoring has turned up zero evidence. Secondly, there is a town which is closer to the mine than Kalachi, and they have reported no such epidemic. Number 4. Circles of Namibia There is an ecological mystery sitting throughout Namibian deserts. There are fields of grass with circles carved in them at regular intervals. The circles are almost perfectly created and can range from 10 to 65 feet in diameter. And by the way, if you are thinking of the movie The Signs, you are not alone. Forget explaining the circles. Scientists are not even sure of the more basic questions, such as, why are there circles? Why not any random shape? Nothing grows in these circle patches. Scientists have come up with various theories, and all have been debunked almost immediately. In 2013, Norbert Jurgens, an environmental scientist, said that termites were the cause of the circles. But in 2015, biologist Walter Schinkel tested the hypothesis and disproved it. Number 3. The Hum of Taos 
A barely audible buzzing sound that you cannot pinpoint can infuriate you. We have all been there when a distant lawnmower or our TV starts making a buzz, and unless and until we don't find where it's coming from, it feels like our brain is eating itself from the inside. Now imagine the pain and frustration of residents of Taos in New Mexico. Since the early 1990s, large numbers of residents of Taos have complained about a constant humming sound. It can be heard all around the town and has driven people nuts. For 20 years, various investigators have tried to locate the hum, but to no success. Some scientists have hypothesized that the town's residents are super hearers who can detect sound that ordinary humans can't. But doesn't that raise more questions than it answers? Number 2. Never-Ending Lightning Storm In western Venezuela, over the Catatumbo River, there is a storm that never ceases. Starting at 7 p.m. every night, lightning crashes over the water for 10 hours every night, 260 nights each year. Nobody knows for sure why it happens. Up until recently, the leading theory was that it had something to do with uranium in the bedrock, although scientists are starting to doubt it. Today, the leading theory is a complicated one. It posits that the shape of the mountains cause warm trade winds to collide with cold air from the Andes. That collision is then fueled by the rapidly evaporating water below and methane from a nearby oil field. Nobody actually knows for sure, though, why it happens. Everything about it is mysterious, including one moment in 2010 when it inexplicably stopped. One day, the storm just died down without explanation and seemed, for a while, to be over. Then, after six weeks of silence, it sparked up again and has been raging ever since. Number 1. The Boiling River Deep in the Amazon lies a river four miles long and unlike any other on Earth. The Shanae Timpishka is so hot that any animal that steps into it gets boiled alive. When a hapless creature wanders in, the eyes cook first, melting in its skull. Soon, the animal is in too much pain to keep swimming to safety. Water fills its mouth and lungs, and it is cooked from the inside out. The river gets as hot as 91 degrees Celsius, 196 degrees Fahrenheit, and scientists aren't completely sure why. Normally, water that gets this hot is fed by a volcano, but this one is 700 kilometers removed from the nearest one. There is a theory, though. Scientists believe that boiling hot water from under the earth cracks through fault lines and heats up the river, making the water a geothermal system unlike any other on earth. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you too, because I think that everything is pretty much in plain sight and, and it's put out there as though it's, it could be a false illusion, but it's actually predictive programming to just prepare us mentally for, for what's to come, you know. So, um, yeah, um, great conversation, though. Um, there's so much more to explore about that. But um, so the, the next topic is pretty uh, is pretty heavy. It's it's called consent. And so we're going to allow um, uh, Empress Cindy to do what she does and roll the next clip. Thank you, Empress Cindy. Knock, knock. Who's there? Would you? Would you who? Would you enter someone's home without asking first? Then why wouldn't you ask for consent? Recent conversations around the Me Too movement have led many people to ask, what is consent? 
when to ask for it and how to ask for it. Turns out, consent is more to it than you'd expect. And just like sex, you'll have to peel off some layers before you can properly have it. So, should we begin? What is consent? Sexual consent is a person deciding whether or not they want to do something sexually. Consent should be obtained in all kinds of situations, including asking for a number, asking them out, or any relationship involving contact. From a kiss, to nudes, to sex, and everything in between. Consent could be verbal, which is a spoken agreement to engage in sexy time. Or it could be non-verbal, which is an unspoken but enthusiastic involvement in said sexy time. However, non-explicitly asking for or receiving verbal consent can lead to serious misunderstandings, even sexual assault. It's important to respect everyone's personal space and right to their own bodies. So what's not consent? Let's clear this up. Clothing, not consent. Inviting gestures or aapke not consent. A marriage certificate or any kind of established relationship, not consent. Consent is also not gendered or heteronormative. People of all genders and sexuality should feel comfortable saying no. What is the right way to get consent? The best way is to ask, politely yet firmly, and accept the answer you get. But there's more to it. They agree to make out, but that doesn't mean you have consent for sex. It's best to clarify at every stage. They may have said yes the previous time, but consent isn't a 10-year visa. You have to ask every time, and it can be revoked any time. Leaned in for a kiss and not sure if you can? Don't assume, just ask. Consent should always be freely given. Say they were up for bedroom sex, but you suddenly had to move elsewhere. Consent means having all the information before saying yes. And if they're not in the mood and say no, respect their decision. It doesn't count if they feel pressured or obligated. There are many more scenarios where consent is required. The best way to figure it out is always to ask. To truly embrace consent, don't wait for a no to stop, but an enthusiastic yes to start. Consent is multi-layered and complicated, and lack of it can cause serious trauma. A culture of silence results in a culture of violence. Open conversations around consent need to be had from a young age. So communicate. Ask questions like, hey, do you like this? How are you feeling? Is this okay? Frequently. Because it's best not to jump to any conclusions before you jump into bed. Oh, consent. What is consent? What does consent mean? How can consent change? The Me Too movement. Hashtag Me Too. Bill Cosby. We know Weinstein. Um, and of course, uh, there are people within our own community on, you know, at home who have suffered at the hands of those who have not given consent. Um, so this is a pretty deep topic. So I see Empress Angie, if you want to go ahead, Empress, and, uh, let us know your thoughts. Um, I know I had a situation that happened. Um, it was somebody that I was talking to and, you know, eventually we stopped talking, but you know, we kept in touch. The only issue that I was having, I mean, he would ask permission at times like, you know, Hey, you know, do you want to, can you come see me? Um, can I come over? He would ask these questions, but the problem was, is that I would say no every time it just became a thing where I was becoming a little bit annoyed because I'm like, I had to get to the point to explain of why I said no, why you can't come over, why I don't want to come over. And it just bothers because I'm thinking if I'm already telling you no, 
no means no. I'm already telling you no for everything. And it's annoying to have to keep repeating myself to keep saying, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go hang out because I've had the experience of when a guy, I don't know for anybody else, but I know when a guy says, hey, do you want to come over to hang out? Or if they ask me and I've told them, you know, you can come hang out, but that's all. And next thing you know, it turns into something else. And then I feel in a way like I didn't ask you to come over for that. I just said, you know, hang out is to hang out. I feel like everybody has different terms for, for certain words and certain sayings. But for me, it really was, you know, you can come hang out. I don't want to do nothing, but it still went down that route anyway. And it's just a little bit annoying to me because I feel like, like I said, if you're being verbal and you're saying it, I feel like it should be respected and still not, you know, the person still, still trying. So. Right. Almost as though you're being pressured into doing whatever it is that person wants you to do because they're being so persistent. So um, then we have those who, they're actually, there's a, there's, I believe there's a state that is looking at having some type of consent, some type of consent cards. I don't, I'm not sure on this. So, but anyway, I think it's, it's uh, interesting that, you know, you have to even go there to where it's like, no, I, I don't, or yes, I do. And, and then what constitutes where you're where those lines are blurred. So um, did anyone else want to comment on this type topic? Um, I saw in the video that they said um, an enthusiastic hell yes. And that's what I, I really agree on the most is because a lot of our young girls, and I know someone very close to me in particular was pressured because she was in a relationship and she did have sex with them one time or a couple times. And then she felt very uncomfortable, but he pressured her a lot to have sex and she never really gave the okay or say no, but she even cried during. And he took that as a, well, I'm still going to do it because you never said no. And to me, that's, you know, that's crossing the line. Um, you, she may have not consented fully and she didn't say no, but she never said hell yeah. And that's where I think it gets crossed. The line gets crossed and guys don't understand that all the time, especially with the young, the younger generation. Now they just feel like, you know, they, they can just go with it. Um, this Netflix and chill thing, like it's let me come over and it's always about sex. Yeah. It's almost like we've, we've become so sexualized as a, as a, um, society and as a whole that is almost like they just assume that's what Netflix and chill means. Like um, Angie was saying, there are different terms that different people use for different things. And so sometimes you actually have to find out, does, does that this mean what this means like to you? Cause I've even heard in some cases where, some people will call folks friends and they're actually, you know, friends with benefits. So I'm like, oh, is that that's what a friend means? I, I, I use friend as the term it's used. Right. So um, but yeah, I think that people have to just we have to straight up be like up and down, like, no, I don't want to do this or yes, I do. And then and then if there's any questions about it, um making sure you're sober, that you remain sober during that time that you're spending together with that person. Because if you're already questioning whether or not they're going to 
cross that line, you probably shouldn't even be hanging out with them anyway. But just to protect yourself and your safety, um, making sure that you you're a hundred percent sober when you're with or around that person. Did anyone else want have anything to say? Is Empress Cindy? Yeah, you guys can hear me, right? Yes, we can hear you. Yay. (laughs) Okay, so uh, recently my daughter was telling me about her friend, and she, you know, they're young, right? They're 18, 19. Um, She was dating one of the boys. And, you know, they all went to junior high school together. They all graduated high school. And she said to me, um, she was going to the boys' house. They were hanging out. They had a little something to drink. And she said, you know, he's getting frisky, but y'all know, right? She's a virgin, right? You know how that goes. The boy is going to try. He's going to be like, come on, come on. I love you. And um, he raped her. He raped her. And it was her first time. And she was like, I didn't know what to say to her. And I was just like, well, what is, and he was like, he didn't see it as rape because they've been friends for such a long time. He's showing up at her house. He's talking about he's getting a tattoo. She's the one. He, I'm talking about like some fucking, uh, I can't even remember the fucking movie with guy hides under the fucking uh, car and they drive up to the mountains type shit. The weirdo shit, you know? And so a lot of women, especially young, older, it doesn't even matter because sometimes you just get, you find a guy with a certain energy and he seems cool, but somehow as they say, the, the the message gets mixed up, even though you're saying no, in his head, he's saying yes, because maybe you're kissing, maybe you're petting, you know, first, second, third base, right? And so I don't think uh, men understand, not all of them, right? There are some men who don't understand what no means, because maybe there are things that make them feel like, okay, yeah, we we can do it. It's not a problem, but what happens when you get to that point where you are just so fucking uncomfortable? Can you even still have a relationship? And how many people are in relationships with people that they weren't even interested in? I've heard uh, stories of back in the days of women saying, oh, I had 10 children, not because I wanted to. He knocked me up. I didn't even want to have sex. I ended up marrying him because it was 1950 and you can't walk around without a child. And so now I'm stuck with a man that because he says, let's go, let's go. And then I remember my grandmother saying there were women, this is before the ID channel ladies, there were women who would get this behavior for men, right? Every night the husband takes it, but there you could never say no back then, right? And so the lady would probably like poison his soup. And when that man died, she had a party. I mean, but of course, it's before the ID channel, before somebody could, do you get what I'm saying? It'd be like, oh, Miss So-and-So's husband died. And she was just so happy he died because she didn't have to deal with that. But could you imagine going 20, 30 years with someone you did not want to be with, but because you were a woman, a woman back in that day. But even now, people still go through things silently. And I think it's okay to speak up, right? It's okay to stand in your power and to say, no, I'm not dealing with this shit. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's all I'm going to add. Consent is consent. You know, regardless, you could be married or not. If you're, if you got a fucking headache, you got a fucking headache. Do you get what I'm saying? Not trying to turn it into enough with Jennifer Lopez where you're kicking and fucking them up, but it is what it is. Yes, exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. Because even, uh, in, in, uh, 
relationships, there can be unconsented um, intimacy. So I definitely have seen where that has happened and I, and know of of cases where that has, has actually transpired, where the woman want, didn't want to have sex with her husband and and he basically forced it. I think they actually ended up saying he raped her. So um, I definitely get that. And we do need to teach our, our daughters when they say no, that it means no. And to get the hell out of there, if that person is not willing, or even if they're, they're being passive aggressive to try to get them to do what they want them to do, or passively trying to, to get them to, to, go the direction they want them to go in to see those signs and to, to be like, Hey, I got to go or get an Uber and get out of there or, or, you know, call for help, whatever it is that they need to do. But that first sign needs to be that constant pressure of them trying to get, get them to be intimate with them in the first place. So, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that's something that I know, I've had to encounter in my life to tell people to have, have had to encounter, um, with, uh, men in my life that have attempted to go across that line and having to, having to just be like, no, and roll up my windows on, on a guy that's trying to grab you. Like it's, it's insane how aggressive some of these men can be if they, they want they want what they want. They're going to try to get it at any, you know, at any way possible, you know? Um, so the Empress Taurine, did you have anything you wanted to add Empress? Yes. First, I would like to say peace goddesses. How's everyone doing tonight? Peace. Thank you. Um, we're doing great. I'm doing great. And thank you for joining us. That's great. Um, yes. I'm glad to be here. Um, yeah, I just want to, well, for one, I definitely agree with consent. You know, consent is a must, especially when you're not in a relationship with, with someone. Um, and even if you are like, you know, in the early stages of relationship, if you, if you don't fully know the person that you're um, engaging in sex with, then definitely, you know, consent is, is very much needed. It's a must, you know, but at the same time, we have to take accountability for our engagements. You know, we got to protect ourselves. Like if you don't know for sure, if you're, you know, if you want to have, you know, if you want to have sex with someone or not, you know, you got to take accountability on how you engage in things. Like, cause a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of times we tend to engage a lot, whether if it's male or female, you know, without, you know, expecting the obvious outcome. You know, we have to be, you know, we have to stand on what we want to do and what we don't want to do. We got to be careful. Like, if if you know you're not sure if you want to have sex with someone, then you got to control your hormones. Take it light. Have a little movie night, you know. Take it easy. Instead of, like, you know, engaging in, in sex. Like, that's not always necessary. But, yeah, that's that's all I wanted to add. Right. Exactly. And, and maybe you meet that person outside of a private setting, you know, if, if it's, if it feel, if you feel like you could possibly mislead or misguide that person, because men or women can pick up on, you know, mixed signals the wrong way as well. So sometimes, like you said, we have to hold our, ourselves accountable for the part, the part we take in 
and the role we play in those things. So I do want to let everyone know we are on on the wakeupradio.com or uh, and then you can also find us on otwtube.com. Call in to 844-818-4433 if you would like to contribute to this conversation. And then um, I would also like to give a big, big shout out to Empress Cindy Ashby for uh, working the, the background and also um, for manifesting this uh, podcast. So um, did anyone else? Let's see here. I see Angie said there are douchebags who keep passing around the wrong info, saying things like if she says no means yes. Also teaching our sons about making sure to ask because then in turn it turns into rape allegation and they can get locked up or and have it on their record for that. That's absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Empress. Um, we have to teach our, our men, our young men, uh, what what no means, what no looks like as well. And, you know, uh, making sure that we cover our boys just as much as we cover our girls in those those situations. Because unfortunately, we do have, I mean, it's, it, you know, I don't want to victim shame, but we do. And I'm not really victim shaming because if they were victim, a true victim, then the outcome would have possibly shown that. But at the same token, we do know that there are false allegations. That's why a lot of our men would end up, you know, uh, look, being killed, um, lynched, being falsely accused of raping a, a, a white woman. And then you, you, you end up with our men, you know, being sacrificed for uh for false false allegations themselves so um it definitely uh yeah look at Emma Till for sure so it did uh Empress Maxine or Empress Michelle would you like to add to this conversation um yes I was gonna add I can remember in when I was a, a young girl that it happened to me that I was violated by a neighbor same thing he had always been cool with me and um, he used to live like in a back house. So one day I went over to his back house and I thought we were just gonna chill. This is way before Netflix. <laughs> and um, he violated me. And I, I tried to remain very cool and it taught me a lesson. It taught me a lesson that day. Don't ever put myself in a position until I know exactly what that person's intent are. So if, some, if, if someone, a guy would call me and want to go say, hey, what you doing? You want to come over? I would find out first, what's the intent? Because anytime you put yourself in a position when it's just you and him, anything can happen. For a man, when he's saying, hey, can I just come chill? That's exactly what he means. I want to come have sex. You know, he, he, he could be home by himself just hanging out. So that's what I learned. Not to, After that one time that happened to me, and it, and it never happened again, but it, that's what the young ladies need to understand is that if you know that you don't want to have sexual intercourse, and I'm sorry that young lady got raped, Cindy, what a violation for it to be your first time and, and for it to be a rape. She'll never forget that experience. And what makes it so bad is someone, it's the people that you know, it's not even a stranger. So now we have to learn that, okay, if we want to just chill, then how about me and, and a group of friends come over and we'll chill together. Now you guys have public places you can go to. You know, back then we didn't have Starbucks and all those different places. So, you know, as long as 
you're a woman, it just seems like we almost can't escape being violated. So that's just that's yeah. just my take, just to take precaution and just make sure what the intent are and the, the communication, that the communication is very open, not assume what he says. He says he wants to come over and chill. Do you want to come over and chill or just ask him, or are you trying to get into something? Because I'm not trying to get into all that. Maybe another time we'll catch each other another time when I'm when I'm in that mood, if it's somebody that you, you're attracted to. Oh my gosh. So Maxine has uh brought a memory into my head. I was in, in my early college days and I was talking to this guy and you know, we were cool, we'd go out and he always talking about, oh, you gotta go. It'd be the church ones. You need mm -hmm. Jesus, right? And so, you know, I was like, okay, he's decent, right? And uh, he invites me over, and we're there. And you know how people got the double uh, gate that locks, and you need the key to get out? Didn't even think about it because we was cool. We was cool. Known him for months. And he locks it, and then all of a sudden, he's like, I want you. Now, let me tell y'all something. I knew I couldn't leave because I ain't got no key. Now I had to tell myself, I can let this 6'5", 320-pound motherfucking fucker brutally get me, or I need to get in survival mode and just get with the fucking flow. And can I tell you how I was glad he was a quick comer? It took him two minutes. But I tell you, it was the two minutes of, like, let's just do it. Let's get it over. Right. want to do the fight. I didn't feel like going through the fight. I didn't want to give it to him, but it was one of those. I'm, I don't know who's been there, but it's a thing. And so when he kind of was like, and I was like, okay, well, I'm ready to go home because now I got to pretend everything's okay. Mm -hmm. he was like, I want you to spend the night. I was like, God fucking damn. <laughs> this is something I got to. And I remember laying there, like waiting for the sun to come up and then going, okay, you know, and the whole time, like a whole fucking actress. And then finally, like, leaving and being like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because at that moment, it's like somebody was like, well, you know, you were. And I said to myself, I chose the, did I choose the easy way out by just going, let me just fucking give it to this motherfucker? Because I didn't feel like going through the the crazy shit of, you get what I'm saying? The shit you see on like now. But no, Cindy, exactly what you're saying. I did the same thing you did. I did the same thing you did. I didn't want to go through the fight. And I just laid there. And I think it was the same like couple minutes. <laughs> he was a little guy too. I'm short and he was shorter than me. But he was strong. That little mother effer was strong. And I thought, I don't want to go. And the, the, the what tripped me out was how he treated like, okay, well, you know, everything was back to normal. And I just got up and I just smoothed my dress out, waited a few minutes, and then I left. But it's crazy. That's the part. And, you know, the, again, the communication, like I said, you don't know. You can't foresee it sometimes. You think because you knew each other for so long that, oh, this is chill. This is just my friend until one day. You don't know. But now I'm saying that putting yourself in that position with someone, no matter how you make sure identify what is going to happen. If I come over, are, are we trying to get down like that? Cause I'm not trying to get down like that. And maybe, you know, we can hook up another time. 
because we don't know that's the problem when it's going to go down. Yep. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's so true because we've been uh, like I just noticed another empress comment. I've I've definitely can attest to that. You've been in, uh, be, put yourself in situations where you just can't fight back or you don't want to fight back. And so you, you know, go with the flow just so you don't have to die that night. Like, cause you don't know where this person's mind is. And uh, like I say, those unfortunately low vibrational spaces bring low vibrational cases. And I know I've been there where I've, I shouldn't have had too much to drink and you get to where you're in a predicament where you're not going to be able to protect yourself adequately because you're not you're not mentally there you know and so yeah it's it's very important for us you know as women to to definitely watch our surroundings where we're going who we're going to be around and then also how we're what we're doing to create certain situations because yeah not all situations we can can uh protect ourselves from but we can do the best that we can to to protect ourselves that way we can give adequate consent to these gentlemen and hopefully they will be gentlemen you know so it does take it does take two so we have to make sure that we're that it's not done hopefully by force but if we're going to consent we're giving consent wholeheartedly and it's not because we took some pills or because we got some goo goo juice and now we just all oh, we on one we lit and now we just gonna fuck the whole crew type shit i mean that's what some some of these women and girls go through i mean they've had trains ran on them because they're they're inebriated and you know no it wasn't consent consent but because y'all were all fucked up it's going to be pretty much looked at y'all were all having a good time and having a party so. right. yeah did let anyone have any well let me say this right uh, I think I think this will we'll end on this right we won't go to the other clip because we're already oh, at yeah. whatever but when you were saying that I remember being in junior high school right and you know when you play hooky and I remember like um you know we're playing hooky everybody's you at somebody's house or whatever and I remember hanging out with this boy. Thank God he was a gentleman. But hanging out with this boy and then going into this apartment. And it was a line of 20 dudes outside. Having like taken turns on this girl. We were like 12, 13 years old. Okay. In Brooklyn. And, and then as I'm passing, one of the guys is like, oh, you got another one. And the guy who was weird was like, no, that's my girlfriend. I was like, thank God, this could have went left, 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 right? And thinking to myself, oh, my gosh. Now, seeing that girl, because me and her wasn't friends, but then seeing that girl later, like three months later, she gets pregnant. Doesn't know who the father is because it was like 20 dudes. And not only because they were like in a gang, they were like Decepticons or some shit like that. If y'all from New York, y'all know what I'm talking about. And... It was a girl decepting this. And when they found out that they had ran a train on the girl, they beat the shit out of her. Put her in a coma. Everything. Mm. I mean, like, on some, like, and I felt so bad for her. I never had that happen to me, thank God. But I felt so bad for her because she went thinking, I'm going with Mookie, and he's got me, 
And then he just turned on her. 20 fucking, do- I mean, again, we're 12, 13. I was in junior high school. We're children. Right. Ugh. I, you know what? I just want to say this. If anybody's been through any of this madness and bullshit, that shit makes you stronger on, on some real life shit. That shit makes you stronger. And the only thing, honestly, one of the things you could do is you got a daughter, you got a niece, you got little cousins. You make sure that shit don't happen to them. You let them know what they need to do. And I think a lot of times we hold it in and we hold it in. And, you know, like I hear Maxine saying, and it'll trigger, right? It's certain things that just trigger us. And so you, you got to tell the young ladies, listen, don't get set up for the weather. You get what I'm saying? But we're stronger for it, ladies. Remember that. We got to start start teaching these young ladies to carry weapons. I got three. That's right. I keep one in the car, in the house, and I got a machete. So, you know, my thing is these young ladies need to carry something, mace, something on them. They should not be out here unprotected at any time. Get you a mace. Yeah, like the equalizer. Yeah, I got a friend that I saw. That's what she sell. All self-defense gear for women. Hook any of these ladies up. They should not be going out without any type of weapon, period. That's right. And we have to get our, our kids and our children. We need to get our children in the in the range to to make sure they, they know how to shoot that weapon. That you know? too. Get them in the range. Exactly. Get them in the range. I had a cousin mm-hmm. just a few weeks ago, she almost got snatched and we're thinking it was a sex trafficking incident. But um, luckily her phone rang at that particular time that the guy was trying to, to snatch her and it startled him to where he lost, basically he lost balance and she was able to get away. So, you know, thankfully she was able to get away, but you know, in the, in the case she would have had something to be able to protect her, it would have been nice, but um you know, but yeah, we, we definitely got to teach our, we have to definitely teach our, um, daughters, any, uh, women in our fan and our, our children, our girls, they all need to be taught how to protect themselves and no means no. And to, to relay that to whatever, ever gentleman is in their presence. And so, um, we are, uh, towards the end of, of divine femininity the podcast of Melanated Women. And I want to thank every empress that joined us today. Um, So I just want to thank the audience who's out there listening. And I want to thank Cindy Ashby. Um, Also, you can check out uh, on the wake up tube uh, on the wake up radio.com. You can also check out Spotify to hear the, the playback. And um, definitely cash app, cash, uh, dollar sign on the wake up radio.com. Uh, I'm sorry, cash app on the wake up radio <laughs> to uh, support Sister uh, Ashby um, for this platform for us, by us. And did everyone, anyone want to say goodbye? Once again, thank you all for having me here. It's been a, another great topic i love talking to you all and it's also therapeutic yes it is and i want to thank you ladies for being on this platform thank you again uh 
Empress Michelle, did you want to say anything? Thank you for having me. This was amazing. It did. It triggered some things in me too, but I'm glad to be amongst, you know, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for this platform, Cindy. Empress Tareen. Yes, I want to say thank you. Um, I'm very glad to be here. I like topics like these. It's very therapeutic and it's really, um, you know, it's a good conversation for the community, for the community to be involved in, you know, for healing, you know, it is important. I'm glad that you ladies were able to share your story. You know, I didn't want to say too much about mine, but you know, I did comment, but you know, it's important that, you know, that we are able to tell our stories, you know, so other can learn from our mistakes. So yes, um, I appreciate all you ladies being here. This is, you know, us supporting each other um, by reaching out to our community. So yes, uh, hope everyone have a good night tonight. And with that, we are out. Thank you again. Thank you for the, thank you to the panel. I'm sorry we couldn't get, go around further to uh, say our goodbyes, but we will not say goodbye, but we'll see you later. Peace. Hey, Yurima Karama here with a quick infomercial, and I have a question for you. Are you tired of social media outlets that block real content? I mean, are you tired of your favorite internet truth teller getting blocked or put in Fedbook jail? Tired of making a comment and the algorithm quickly deems your comment to be offensive and takes it down? I mean, are you tired of making a post and a fact check pops up, making it look like your info isn't accurate, and then it turns out that the fact check is actually the lie? Are you tired of seeing white people get by with racist commentary or post and they never get blocked, but unapologetically black truth tellers are always having their videos taken down? Tired of having to wait a month or seven days or 14 days for your favorite social media truth teller to get their page back up because white-owned social media outlet owners take their content down whenever they feel like it? Tired of black people getting on white-owned social media outlets and finding out that the outlet is making billions of dollars, but you don't get one red cent of that money? Well, if you're really tired, then you should do as I did and make the switch. Yeah. Come on over to otwtube.com where your content and comments are actually accepted. Also, get the Eurema Karam app where you can stay up to date on real truth that lamestream media intentionally hides from you. Come on over to sites that accept you being unapologetically black. I mean, come on over to sites that love you being free to express yourself. This is why I took my aboriginal indigenous melanated ass on over to OTWTube because I recognize the importance of freedom of speech. I recognize that I would be doing my ancestors a tremendous disservice if I stayed a slave on social media outlets that want to dictate what I say and when I can actually say it. If you're tired like I am, then make the switch now to OTWTube.com and get the Yurima Karama app. Tap into the truth because that's what you deserve. I am Yurima Karama, and I approve this message. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diang. Cindy Ashby Productions. On the wake up.